Hello and welcome to this very special edition of The Weekend Wrap. I am the co-host of The Week on Wednesday, Ben Davison, and for those of you who've been following along on our social media or have listened to our most recent podcasts, you'll know that this is the first episode of The Weekend Wrap or The Week on Wednesday that we have recorded for just over two weeks. Of course, that's because Van and I are in Sydney attending to Van's mother, Barb, during what are her final days. Earlier this morning, we received a call saying today would likely be Barb's final day on Earth. Van wanted me to do a podcast today to share with you, our loyal listeners, not just the news, which we'll get into, but also to say thank you for all of your support and solidarity over the last 18 months. We've made the week on Wednesday, every Wednesday, and the weekend wrap every Sunday throughout what has been an incredibly difficult time for us personally, but also for Australia as a nation. A pandemic, a federal election, state elections, and of course, lockdowns and separation due to illness. Van and I are together now, and we hope to do an episode of the week on Wednesday this week. We may not be able to. Quite frankly, you may not hear from us again until next Sunday. So, what's been going on since last we spoke? Hasn't there been an awful lot? In America, of course, the US midterm elections have happened, and just recently today, we found out that the Democrats have retained control of the United States Senate. A huge outcome, massive achievement. Historically, sitting presidents, the parties of sitting presidents, lose control of the Congress and the Senate. Joe Biden and the Democrats have retained the Senate, and quite frankly, they're not out of the running when it comes to the House. A lot of pundits have called it for the Republicans, or at least are saying Republicans are inching towards victory. But on current numbers, it could go either way. It's a very, very tight race. What's very pleasing for listeners of the week on Wednesday, for those of you who support and follow democracy as we do, is that the Trumpian cause, the proto-fascist cause, has been dealt significant blows all across the country. Of course, in America, they have vast waves of elections. Governors, state lower house, state upper house, they elect attorney generals, they elect district attorneys, that's the chief prosecutors, they elect all sorts of public officials that we would appoint here. But thankfully, many of the Trumpian candidates who are trying to get positions where they would have control over things like electoral rolls, over how elections were conducted, over how the, the boundaries for electoral areas would be drawn, many of those people have lost their attempts to seize power. This is undoubtedly good news for democracy, and Joe Biden has said as much. There's still counting going on, and quite frankly, we may not know the final results of the congressional makeup until we speak again next week. 
Closer to home, we've also seen the passing of the Secure Jobs Better Pay Bill in the lower house of the Australian Parliament. Now, of course, as you know, this is a bill designed to get wages moving, a key core promise of the Albanese Labor campaign was to get wages moving again, fundamental to their election, fundamental for the Australian people, a promise that must be delivered. What we're hearing now, increasingly, as this bill has been introduced and passed by the lower house with support from some on the crossbench, not all of the crossbench, I might add, but some on the crossbench, and the Greens, and of course Labor voting for it, what we're hearing from some others is that Labor has no mandate, no mandate for these changes, as though somehow or another Labor is expected to get wages moving again without changing anything. And of course, the attempts to paint unions as the boogeyman have ramped up significantly. Now, let's be very frank and honest about this. The only reason wages have had the growth that they have had in the sectors where there has been growth is because of union members. Everyday union members like you and me standing up, standing together, demanding that the boss pays a fair day's wage. Simple as that. Only reason wages have moved at all. And if you're not a member of the union and you're listening to this show, go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W. You can join your union online right now while you're listening to the rest of this podcast, while you're on your way to work. You could be, you know, if you're on a train, don't do it while you're driving, obviously, but you could join your union before you get to work tomorrow. And let me tell you this, the Bosses lobbyists, the unions for bosses, are out there trying to paint union members as some kind of boogeyman that are going to come in and shut down the local cafe. What absolute nonsense. What absolute tripe. Pretending that somehow or another, 15% union membership will translate to 100% union membership which will translate to mass strikes, which will translate the number of leaps of faith that one has to undertake before we get anywhere near, anywhere near the scenarios that the boss's lobby is trying to paint would make the Pope blush. It's simply not plausible. It's not possible. It's a series of miracles that have to build on top of each other. What we know, what we have experienced, what we are living through is record wage cuts. Record wage cuts. We have low unemployment, but wage cuts. We have high productivity, but wage cuts. We have record profits, but wage cuts. This is the reality. This is not a hypothetical. And the kind of multi-employer bargaining that the boss's lobby wants to stop is exactly the kind of bargaining that will allow workers in places like Qantas to band together and get a fair deal. Allow workers who suffered through the CUB dispute, where workers were atomized into smaller and smaller groups, subcontracted, labour hire used, casualisation used, 
to have multiple agreements on the same site, these workers can actually band together. This is what the bosses are trying to stop. If Alan Joyce and Qantas think it's a bad idea when it comes to industrial relations, then it's clearly a good idea for working people. We have lived through the neoliberal experiment. Now, the Albanese Labor government is trying to bring it to a dignified end. And frankly, the crossbench in the Senate has a responsibility to the working people of this country to allow the Labor government that promised to get wages moving to deliver on that promise. That means multi-employer bargaining. That means changes to how often and how many contracts a person can be forced onto before they're actually made permanent for a permanent job. That means getting rid of pay secrecy. That means having job security and wage equity as part of the objectives of the Fair Work Act. That means having proper experts in the Fair Work Commission to rule on these issues. It means letting working people band together to negotiate when they have shared interests to raise their own wages. And of course, we know the bosses hate this idea. But you know, it's already happening in many places around the world. The OECD is encouraging it. New Zealand has just implemented it. In California, the United States, home of union busting, home of free marketeers, they have multi-employer bargaining in fast food. Here in Australia, the bosses lobby want to limit it to only those things that are funded by government. And even then, they'd want more carve-outs. In America, companies like McDonald's can be brought into multi-employer bargaining. And of course, we know that in Europe, it happens all the time. Some of the globe's most successful, productive, high-wage, low-inequality nations are using these very models. You know, I did catch a little bit of insiders this morning, just some of the clips online, and frankly, this idea that gets peddled by David Spears and people from the AFR that this is radical, this has no mandate, they don't know what they're talking about. Now, the Australian Union Movement, Sally McManus, the ACTU, all of our good comrades at the unions are running a campaign to let your senator know that you want the Secure Jobs Better Pay Bill passed. Because David Pocock, who's an independent senator from the ACT, has said that he's listening to views on this. He's taking people's opinions into account. He has said that he was surprised by the bill. He said that it seems to have come from nowhere. Now, look, I appreciate not everybody lives and breathes industrial relations policy like I do, or perhaps like you do, listening to this wherever you may be. But let's be really clear. For the last decade, experts in economics, in industrial relations, in labour law have said our system is broken. 
for the last decade, unions have been saying that it's almost impossible to win pay rises through enterprise-only based bargaining. For the last decade, we've had wage stagnation and now wage cuts. For the last decade, we've had increasing labour productivity and decreasing capital productivity, but increasing profits, which means for the last decade, more of what this nation produces has been going out the door as dividends, bonuses, and share buybacks, and less of it has been going into the pockets of everyday working people. That's the reality of the last decade, Senator Pocock. And let me just say to Senator Lambie, who's been in the Senate now for some time, who's heard these issues ventilated a number of times across a number of pieces of legislation, If you weren't paying attention, then maybe this has come as a surprise. If you heard Labor say, we intend to get wages moving, and just dismissed it as rhetoric, then maybe this has come as a surprise. But if you've actually been listening to, engaging with, paying attention to what working people are saying, and yes, I am talking about union leaders, but I'm also talking about nurses, disability workers, aged care workers, retail workers, truck drivers, bus drivers, shop assistants, games developers, people who've gone to Canberra and spoken with our parliamentarians about the crisis in job security and wage cuts that is impacting them every single day. So if you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to go to australianunions.org.au and fill in, fill in the form, send a message to your senator, let your senator know that 10 years is more than enough and it's time for Australians to get a pay rise. We've lifted productivity, we've reduced unemployment. We've done our fair share. Capital sits there and is reaping the rewards. And their lobbyists and their CEOs don't want to give it up. That's really what this debate boils down to. Whether or not the crossbench senators are going to side with working people or side with CEOs like Alan Joyce, who prioritise their own bonus over paying workers and giving them decent, secure work. That's it. Whose side are you on? Make your choice. Speaking of making choices, of course, in Victoria, my home state, which I do miss dearly, the Victorian election is on. It's happening. And both campaigns, when I say both, I mean Labor and Liberal, the two parties that will, one of the two parties will form government, had their launches today. Now, Victoria is an incredibly strong economic position. Unemployment is very low. Of all the states, there is some wage growth in some sectors, 
It is smashing renewable energy targets. It is smashing emissions reduction targets. It's the first state to come close to having a treaty. We're talking about a state that's prioritised the public service over privatisation, a state that's building train stations, removing level crossings, building new rail lines, that's actually doing the work to make Victoria a great place to live, to work, to get educated uh, and to have a family and all the things we all want to do. And of course, Dan Andrews has his knockers. Of course he does. Victoria, due to our climate, due to our position, due to the nature of how our communities interact with each other, with commuting and so on, was in a highly vulnerable position during the pandemic. And some people will never support the actions that were taken to keep Victorians safe. We have to accept that. Those people have a disproportionate share of voice, as we would say in the media, because they are significantly small number of very vocal people. Now, the Liberals, the Liberals, of course, uh, want power and have promised the world, promised more hospitals, and then realised they haven't actually put aside money for those hospitals, promised to get rid of the rail lines, which people want. I don't know why they want to get rid of much-needed infrastructure, but they do. They've promised all sorts of tax cuts for business, uh, promised robots, but no improvements to nurse-patient ratios, which seems like a strange choice again, but that's their view. And of course, today it's emerged, and I've shared this on social media, that Matthew Guy sat down for an interview with Sky News, that Murdoch rag that it is, and just absolutely slammed the idea that government should consult with unions. Said, why would I consult with unions? Does Dan Andrews consult with the IPA? If the unions think I'm going to consult with them, they can go hooey. Now, putting aside the fact that Matthew Guy, for some reason, speaks like he's running for election uh, in 1856, the point that he makes, which should be clear to all Victorians as they consider who to vote for and which party should be in government, is that Matthew Guy will not sit down and discuss issues that relate to workers and the workplace and working conditions with unions, with the democratically elected representatives of workers. But he does seem to put some stock in policy positions created by the IPA. And we should think about what those positions are, because today he also announced that they want to bring back fracking in Victoria. Now, they've used a whole range of different words, but they want to frack Victoria. They're dressing it up as some form of energy policy. But let's be clear, the IPA would like us to have nuclear power. They'd like us to get rid of all forms of renewable energy targets, all forms of emission reduction targets. They'd like us to get rid of the truth treaty reconciliation process. They're not in favour of that. They want to cut corporate taxes. And of course, they're not in favour of unions being involved in civil society either. That's the kind of Premier Matthew Guy wants to be. He's going to drill, baby, drill. He's going to frack the earth we walk on. And he's going to adopt and consult with the IPA on policy. 
That is a truly terrifying concept. The IPA is also the body that wants to get rid of all forms of anti-discrimination law. The body that wants to repeal Section 18C. The body that wants it to be okay to go back to the 1950s. Where abusing people, vilifying people based on who they love, based on where they're born, based on how they worship, based on where they live, is okay. Because they're just words. See, the IPA and Matthew Guy still don't understand, the Liberals still don't understand the damage that they do when they attack people. They don't care about people. Not really. What they want is an economy that works for them and their mates. They want to frack. They want to build high-rises. They want to cut corporate taxes. And they don't really care if our schools work, our hospitals are functioning, or if our people, if our people are looked after. That's not really what they're interested in. We know that because when Matthew Guy was planning minister, he turned Fisherman's Bend into a concrete wasteland and he banned the construction of wind farms. So that's a choice Victorians have to make between now and the 26th of November. If you're going to vote early, early voting opens soon. But of course, election day itself is the 26th of November. Now, Van and I hope to be doing a live broadcast with our good friends at Socially Democratic on the 26th of November. Stay tuned for more details as they come to hand. But of course, between now and then, we have a lot to get through. Van sends her thanks once again to everyone for your support, your wishes of kindness, your solidarity, the messages we've received from people who listen to our podcast, who read Van's articles, who engage with us on social line, on, on social media, who have stood with us in campaigns and at rallies, on picket lines right across the country. It's meant the world to us. It really means so much to know how much you care about particularly Van during what is an incredibly difficult time. So I also want to pass on my thanks to you and also to all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters. You know, we haven't put out a podcast in a couple of weeks and all of our, all of our regular contributors have continued to make their contribution and that just shows the level of commitment that our supporters have for this podcast and I hope over the last two years we've shown the same level of commitment to you our loyal listeners as we've made episodes almost every week we've missed a couple here and there for illness for family uh, tragedies and obviously a couple over Christmas time but we continue to be committed to making the week on Wednesday and we hope you'll stick with us as we make our way through this most difficult part of our journey. Until 
we speak again. Remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.